My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Charm was a scheme for making strangers like and trust a person immediately, no matter what the charmer had in mind. Kurt Vonnegut, Breakfast of Champions. How much do you actually know about a person when you've just started dating? Have you ever leapt from that pleased to meet you moment to I love you forever within days or weeks? Falling hard and quickly for someone can be awesome, but as you will learn from today's chat, there is something to be said for easing into big-time commitment. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I am so excited to have an awesome guest with me today. We've heard from him last year. He phoned in. Today he's here in person, Ralph Sutton, longtime host of a nationally syndicated rock radio show called The Bus Tour, co-host of the fabulously popular podcast, The SDR Show, and a whole bunch of other networks. Yeah, a whole bunch of other things. But uh, I did your show, I think it was last year. Yes. And wow, you're hotter in person, I'm going to be honest with you. That's so that kind. Really well, you couldn't really even see me last Well, time. I looked up pictures of you, you know? <laughs> okay. I mean, I always try and do some research on people when oh. I know I'm going to do a show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that your pictures don't do you justice. That's very kind. That's Thank very you. kind. Well, I remember Jenna Ivory was Yeah, I tried to get in her pants, too. It was unsuccessful. <laughs> she and I were sitting here, and when you started talking for sound check, mm-hmm. we both were like, because ah! <laughs> you do. You have a very sexy voice. A deep voice. Yes, yes I do. Yes, it's great. Yeah. For, and you've been doing radio and podcasts. Forever. For- yeah, I have my radio show. It's called The Tour Bus. Close enough. But I've been doing that for... Uh, 15, 16 years. We're on about 50 stations around the country. It's terrestrial radio. No one listens to terrestrial radio anymore. What does that mean? It means old school radio, car radio. You know, the radio where what it means is the signal uh, emanates from the earth, terrestrial, as opposed to Sirius XM, which is satellite radio because the uh, audio is emanating from the earth, from the satellite that's up in, uh, you know, orbit. But it's old school radio. Nobody does that anymore, really. You know, the news station, it is the most owned piece of equipment. Everybody has three or four radios, but unfortunately, they don't, they're not forward thinking those people. So those shows just don't do any well anymore. And that's why I started my podcast. And it's much more fun. There's much more liberating. You can say and do whatever you want. And we've done and said almost everything I've ever wanted to do on radio in the past two years. There's no limits, right? There's no limits. I'm sure there will be. I think that when the uh, United States government realizes that there's money being made and that really there's millions of people listening, they're going to put their hands in it. But right now, we're free from the FCC. I don't think we will be forever. Really? So we got to make the most of it. Make the most of it now while you can. Absolutely. So you also write, and you have this wonderful uh, column and let's see, what was the title? It's Social Underground the, is the name of the network. Yeah, okay. And I, I try and write something once every other month. You know, it's kind of hard to get it done more than that just because – but I, I think I did 10 in a year. So it's a little more than one every other month. Okay. Nice. And you did one on the three-month rule. The three-month rule is the which, most Which, whenever I hear relationship rule, I get a little nervous because most of the ones I've heard are really, really creepy. But this one actually makes very good sense. Thank you. I Thank think. You. Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar, kind of in a nutshell, what is it? So I think that we all tend to jump into relationships when you like someone, when you're attracted to someone, when the sex is great, of course, you know, those things that make you look past other things that maybe your friends see or whatnot. So 
I think that if you wait three months, you can date, you can hang out, spend as much time with that person as you like, but don't use the boyfriend-girlfriend term, don't propose, don't do anything until those uh, three months have gone by, those 90 days. I actually days. got engaged on a first date once. Did you? I'm, I'm sure the guy proposed immediately. <laughs> you can imagine how well it I'm sure. turned did, out. Did it make it to a month <laughs> or no? Uh, it made it about... A year and then a little. Wow, that's actually surprising. Yeah, yeah it, it was, and but there were tons of red flags, and you never see those really, especially at the beginning. You're all it's kind too of hard. cloudy yeah. and pheromony and all this stuff, and you share some incredible stories. And I imagine you only chose a few. Yeah, I chose a few. I mean, I chose the three that like jump out at me, you know, right away. But there's so, I mean, I think everybody has stories of craziness you know one of a story that uh i was just telling the other day it's not my story but it made me laugh this an ex-girlfriend of mine was dating someone for two months which i always say it always seems to be under that three-month rule and she found out that on facebook he was hiding his real relationship by not allowing she was in a separate group that wouldn't see those people because you know you could set up groups on facebook and she just happened to log in one day which is stupid from the guy's point because anyone else could have seen it except her Oh so that's God. just, you're an idiot, you know? Yeah, so she reaches out to the girlfriend that he really has and tells the story. And the girlfriend's response was, you know, I've caught him doing this before. We need to teach him a lesson, blah, blah, blah. So my ex-girlfriend drives to the uh, other girl's house when the guy's not home. And they invite him over. They hide the cars. He, you know, so they didn't know they either. He walks in, sees the two of them sitting on the couch, does not say a word, Turns around, walks out, and neither of them ever heard from him again. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's really, really funny. And when it's happening, it's horrible. But they're the kind of things that we look back at and go like, oh, my God. I mean, yours, are all the stories you shared Very true. 100% true. <laughs> Can you speak to – which one stood out the most to you as far as kind of the biggest example of the three? I mean, I, so the, I, I even forget. You know, it's funny. I wrote this. I forget which of the three stories. But okay. uh, I have it here, actually. So there's one – one was in jail. Yeah, well, that's a good one. Yeah, that was a, a Russian girl that was uh, – she was basically working an illegal, like, clothing ring. Now, she, was in a, she wasn't, like, the leader, but they would go into stores and steal clothes and then sell that clothes elsewhere. Wow. Right? And she was not even, um, not even legal in this country. And then she got arrested, and now she – I mean, I don't really talk to her anymore, but she's being deported back to Russia. So you didn't know? No idea, nothing. Anything? No idea, nothing. Not at all. And, you know, I always say this, which is an unfortunate thing that I think most guys just don't even care in the beginning. But when your date has questionable income sources, meaning they seem to be doing fine, but you have no idea what they're doing. Yes. And that works for men or women. Yep. The answer is never going to be, oh, he's just secretly a philanthropist that, you know, something really nice. It's going to be a drug dealer. It's going to be a prostitute. It's never going to be a great answer. Yep. Oh, he invented plutonium and he just doesn't like to talk about it. It's not going to be that. <laughs> yeah, that's really true. That's really true. And then you had one that you found out was one of Elliot Spitzer's yes, that's hilarious. Ladies of the Night. Yeah, and I found out a couple of months uh, you know, into it is that uh, there's a TV channel in, in New York called New York One, and it just was on early in the morning. I was like half sleeping, and it mentioned her name. I heard her name first. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why is she on television? And then she was coming out as she was one of Elliot Spitzer, which I don't know if your listeners that listen on the West Coast know. He's the know governor, that. right? Uh, he was a senator or something, governor of New York, governor of New York. And um, got uh, lost his job and stuff because he was tied to prostitution. And my girl, who, again, she had questionable income sources, but she had a story. When I questioned her about it, 
She had a very logical story. She had a kid, and the kid was from a very famous musician, lead singer. And she said that, oh, she made a lot of money in the divorce settlement. So even though it didn't seem right, because I would say the, you know, the kid would be getting that money. She wouldn't be getting that money. You know what I mean? It would be some sort of child support thing. But, um, but you wanted to believe you it. You just want to believe it, because especially the hotter the girl is, the more you're willing to look past things. Okay, so if you had found out, if she had been really straightforward and said, I'm a sex worker, I have sex for money... Then would it have been a different scenario? You know, it's funny. I don't think it would bother me. Look at him. I'm Jewish. I was saving money. That's how I look at it. There you go. Yeah, because I don't think it would bother me. I'm very like open-minded. Lying. It's the lying. Yeah, it's the it's the lying. I, I don't. I dated porn stars. I'm sure that you know none of that bothers me. I don't care. You know, yeah. if you're doing things, if you're okay with your life choices and you can sleep at night, I don't. It doesn't bother me. Awesome. No, that's yeah. just how I feel. Right there with you. Yeah, but the deceptiveness is really really yeah, huge. Yeah, the lying is really huge. Uh, you had another story. Let's see here. You said this was the big doozy, and this oh. is when you were a strip club DJ. Oh, I think it's the girl that I brought on the cruise. Is that right? Yeah, she's she's the one that uh, got naked on the boat. I think that's that story. Yeah, so I'm believing that's what it is. I'm sorry. I should be well, more— Well, tell that story. I anyway. should be more well-versed in my own article, <laughs> but uh, I've just been— uh, I'm here also promoting a cru- this cruise, Shiprocked, and that's yeah. where this came from. I host a couple of like rock cruises every year, and it's like 10 bands on a boat, three, 4,000 people. You're away from a Monday to a Friday. It's always great. And this was really my mistake, which was we had only been hanging out a few times. I didn't know her that well. She told me she gets crazy when she gets drunk, which, by the way, is not never – that's never a fun crazy. If a girl tells you she gets crazy when she gets drunk – She means like She psychotic. means crazy. She means psychotic. She doesn't mean all of a sudden she's going to bring five girls home with you, with the you know guys. It's, it's going to be a bad answer, right? So I just decided, oh, she's hot. It's fun, whatever. By the first night, she started – I started having problems with her. And I knew things were going bad. What were these problems? I, I'm going to say some uh, off-color words on your show, but uh, I apologize in advance to your listeners. So I told her ahead of time, and I have this talk all the time with anyone coming on the cruise with me or going anywhere with me, hosting an event. I'm sure you do this too. I don't know if you're married or single, but if you're bringing your significant other to a, an event that they're hiring you from Girl Boner, it's August Girl Boner. It's not just, hey, come to the show. You're being a part of it. You're being paid. I have a discussion saying, listen, I'm representing my brand. And by you coming with me, you're representing my brand. So make sure that you don't do anything embarrassing because it looks bad to me. Right? And her answer was, oh, I get it. Absolutely. No worries. And the first day was great. Great. Up until midnight, maybe 1 o'clock, we're calling it a night. We'd been up since 8 in the morning. We're going home. The last band finished. Her last words to me were, you go back to the room. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette out on the deck. I'll see you in 10 minutes. Okay. She never comes home till 8, 9 in the morning. Okay. Drunk off her ass. And I'm shocked. I'm now getting up to go the next day. Like, I have to go to work. I didn't sleep well because I didn't know where the fuck she was. I wasn't going to go out looking for her. But I'm shocked. And, I'm, and I, she could see my look of shock. And I say, look, I got to go work. You do whatever you got to do. I'm, le- I'm leaving right now. And she goes, wait a minute. And keep in mind, she was very drunk. And I have to say, I'm white. And she's white. Let me just stress that for this next part of the sentence. And she says, you don't own me. N-. <laughs> and I said, what? She goes, you don't own me n-. over and over again. And I'm like, I don't own anything. What are you talking about? She's like, I'm here because I want to be like, freaking out on me, screaming and yelling and kept saying that over and over again. And I'm like, is there a black dude in here that I don't know about? And why are you all racist all of a sudden? But eventually I said, look, you do what you got to do. And I left. And all I could think about is, fuck, I got four more days with this lunatic, right? 
And I don't know what to do. The second day, she apologized when she sobered up. I'm so sorry. I got drugged. This will never happen again. Blah, blah, blah. Same thing the second night where I lose her. But now I'm on stage and I see her. I'm announcing the band and I see her out in the audience naked, wrapped in toilet paper, drunk off her ass, screaming and yelling. So I walk off stage. I walk to the guy that runs the network, uh, the, the, the crew, sorry. And I say, listen, that girl's no longer in my room. You can leave her in Mexico. I don't fucking care. This was a mistake. I apologize. Do whatever you have to do. I went up to her and I said, listen, um, I'm letting you, wherever you've been the last two nights partying, stay there. You're out of my room now. We, we have nothing to do with each other. Okay. And she was like, oh, fine, whatever, whatever, no problem. Sorry, this is such a long-winded story, but this was the, the, the reason for the article anyway. And um, now the cruise is over. I barely see her the rest of the time. I just She hooked up with some band dudes. I don't fucking know. But I leave on that last day at 8 in the morning. I always like to get off the boat, the boat as soon as you dock because if you don't do that, you wait like five hours to get off the boat. So I'm first in line. Get off the boat at 8 o'clock. I'm back in my hotel room in Miami that I rent for the next day or two to relax. She calls me very normal. Hey, honey. How you doing? I haven't spoken for three days at this point on the boat. I'm like, fine. How are you? She's like, oh, um, I have an $800 liquor bill, and they won't let me off the boat until I pay it. I'm like, yeah. And? She says, well, could you help me? I said, yeah. I paid those first two days when you were with me, and I told you you're no longer in my room, and you're accountable for your own shit. I'm sorry. And then she goes from zero to 100. You motherfucker, I'm going to get you arrested. How dare you? I said, arrested on what? You drank alcohol. What are you arresting me on? And they wouldn't let her off the boat. She had to sign forms and pay the money over time. It was a whole fucking crazy thing. And I had never spoken to her again since then. And how long had you been dating? Maybe three weeks, a so, month. Because I know you said that you enjoy making the most of those months by going on adventures. Like, I love doing well, that. Creative yeah. Memories. yeah. So did that then change what you would do in the, like, do you go on trips? Or are you kind of concerned now, like about my, now, if I'm doing those, these original things, it's date things. Like for instance, I just went indoor skydiving with a chick. That was fun. Um, I go canoeing or I go, uh, we're going scuba diving in a couple of weeks. Just try scuba diving lesson, do things that I've always wanted to try. It's fun to do that with a girl. It's an exhilarating memory that you're both going to always have. I just went on a, a helicopter ride around New York City. That was a blast. You know, I flew a plane once with a girl. You know, things like that that are going to be over in an hour or two, where even if it's a disaster, it's over in an hour or two. <laughs> yeah. And then if the relationship doesn't go anywhere, you still had fun. Right. Exactly. You have something that came out yeah. of it. So why is it three months? Like, why is that kind of the magic number? I have just found that everybody can put their best foot forward for 90 days. I just think that that's what it is. I think that it's harder and harder to pretend you're someone you're not. And there'll be cracks in the in the pavement. You'll start to see things. They're like, oh, that that's something, you know. And look, I have them too, but I try. I'm very honest. I am honest to a fault. I will tell girls things in the beginning, and I'm like, look, this is me. And if you don't like this, we probably shouldn't be dating. Right, you know? right. And that way, it makes it easier going forward. Yeah, it it does. But I found because I tend to be that way too, and I. But if it's not being reciprocated, that's a big red flag. Because I remember right. there was one relationship where I 
just basically told my whole life story, you know, on our first date. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is great. We can talk so easily. But of course, I'm having fun because I'm just talking about myself. Right. And who doesn't love to talk <laughs> about themselves? And I didn't find out until after we were living together that he was still in the middle of a divorce oh, and all these Jesus. different things. So, yeah. So it's really important to, you know, be on the same page. Right. right. And then how you meet someone matters, too, because my husband, actually, I met him because we were already friends. And I think that when you're already friends, you're not putting up the same kind of of course, right, you know. Well, right? that look. The best scenario I feel is somehow friends, but I always wonder, like, okay, with you and your husband, right? Mm-hmm. Still, still together. Yep. Okay, so when you became friends, how did that happen? Because most of the time, you become friends with a girl because somebody wants to sleep with somebody. Uh, we were neighbors. Okay, well, that's different. So it wasn't like you that's know, good. I didn't okay. move in there because he lived in right. There. <laughs> but so yeah, like most of my female friends, either. We're friends because I'm not attracted to them. We're friends because they're dating like my brother or something like that. Or uh, or they're married or something like that. But I don't have any girls' friends that I'm very attracted to that, you're just that we're with. just friends. I think that's pretty common. Yeah, I think, think it's very hard for that to go. How long were you friends before you got married? Not very long. Oh, that's like what it is. So you just were it really weren't friends. You were just getting to know each other. Yeah. You know, that's a difference. You know, like my co-host of my radio show is a very pretty girl, but I was never attracted to her. And people always thought it was crazy that I never wanted. We, we'd go on hosting events together. We'd sleep in the same bed. I would have no problem with it. I mean, that... That shows you how little attracted you are to someone if you can be in bed with someone and just go right to sleep. Yeah, you know? yeah. So that's easier to have that kind of friendship. But I've never had a girl that I'm like, wow, I love this girl so much as a friend. Even though I'm so, so beautiful, I just don't want to ruin that. I've never had that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that trying to meet people to date kind of invites not deceit, I don't want to be so negative, but kind of when you're being very calculated about trying to meet people, I feel like... And I certainly have done that many times in the past. But like with dating apps and all this stuff, you know, you can paint your picture of who you are. Right, like, do of you course. use Tinder and all those things? I, I, I wrote, it's actually one of the articles on there is how to use social media to, to your advantage for dating. And I do think that it's, it's, it's funny because it's so much more creepy than Tinder, but it makes you look so much less creepy. Okay, so explain. It's very simple. <clears throat> and this is work, like I have dated girls way hotter than I should be. I'm not that great looking of a dude, but I've dated like basically supermodels with this methodology okay you go on tinder you go on bumble any one of those nonsensical apps that links to your facebook and once you have a common friend you just need one common friend you find them on facebook you add them on facebook you don't swipe right to them on tinder you add them on facebook and then if they add you back you can just say oh you came up as a friend uh you know someone i might know this is one of my standard lines you came up as someone i might know I didn't know you, but I thought, oh, I'd like to get to know her, so I thought I'd add you. And if they respond with a smile or anything like that, now you know this beautiful girl is single and liked you enough to accept your friendship. So that's 60% of the battle right there. So now all of your Facebook friends know. Yeah, oh, I believe it. Now it's, I'm, I'm known as the biggest piece of shit in the world. But I'm very honest. Like, I would never lie about it. Honesty is a you know, I just, I'm It's sure much easier to just be honest. You don't have to sure. remember all your lies. You yeah, know? So yeah. I will tell people. I won't volunteer Oh, I saw you on Tinder first. But if they ask, if they ask me, I would say, "Yeah, I saw I saw you on Tinder." You know, and usually they would come up as a friend, a recommended friend. Anyway, you know, you you go to the recommended friend page. Everyone that has one friend in common will show up anyway. But like that's how I meet women these days. It's also easier for me because I am a monster. I'm six six. You know, I'm a big dude. I generally am scary in public. People are like, "Whoa, look at that dude!" And I don't do well with women in public. 
I do great online. So I throw the much wider net, you know, eating cereal in my underwear at home. I can meet much more girls than I would ever going out and trying to meet women. Interesting. Interesting. So having the conversation, you said wait to have the conversation about like we're exclusive. Is that a I don't feel like I've had that conversation many times. Like it just sort of either happens or it doesn't. But I could, I have had a situations where some, one person thought it was serious and the other person didn't. So I right. can see that being important. But like how important? Do you feel like th- three months or more in, do you actually have this sort I of – I think it's very hard to keep a girl uh, engaged if after three months you haven't told her that you want to be serious with her. I think, And I think that it's unfair to assume someone's being serious with you if you haven't had that discussion. I assume every girl I'm dating is dating other people unless we've discussed it. It's not fair to put that on someone else. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I look at it right now. I'm probably I'm dating four or five girls right now that I see casually, once a week, twice a week, once a month, whatever it is, but we've never had that conversation. So until I have that conversation with you, I'm assuming you're dating other people and I'm dating other people. It's just, it's easier that way. But then when you've made that decision, it's like, all right, now I'm really serious here. That's the only time you should be accountable for your actions. So then if one starts moving more forward, I guess, then you do need to have conversations with the other one. Yeah, I would. Well, that look, the last time I had a girlfriend was like five, six years ago. But when I had an actual girlfriend, I told the rest of them, look, I'm dating someone seriously now, so we can't hang out. Yeah, yeah. Which in sad truth is for most women, it makes them want you more. That's the unfortunate truth. Really interesting. Yeah. You know, L.A. is an interesting place. I've, I found that when I moved here, because I moved here very, very single after being like serial monogamous. Mm-hmm. And so... I thought, oh, this is a place where everybody just hooks up with everyone and dates everyone. Were you excited and, and about that no... prospect? Oh, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted that. And I was, and a lot of women here do. But what was interesting to me is for some reason, I was attracting guys who wanted relationships. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it can go all different directions. But I do think that there's something about like the climate that you're in. Like, I'm from Minnesota. And I feel like there's not nearly that same culture there. Whereas, I mean, people are kind of, there are colleges there where it's like a goal, like 90% of them marry one of their classmates after graduation. Wow, that's funny. But also, you know, this is a weird, I don't know if this comes off like a uh, misogynistic, or I don't know how to describe this, but there are certain girls that give off a sexy, I want to fuck that girl vibe. And then there are girls that give off a classy, I want to marry that girl vibe. And I think you're more the latter as a girl that someone would want to date or marry, as opposed to, oh, my God, I just want to fuck that girl so You know bad. what is – that's making me laugh because I actually had a boyfriend tell me while we had broken up, he was dating somebody else. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell me about that at first, and then I later found out. But he told me that basically – he didn't tell me which one I was. He just said there are the girls that you mm-hmm. marry and they're the girls you just want to date and have sex with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know which one I was, but I was offended <laughs> either way. I was actually maybe more offended by the married one because I was like, but then do you not want to have sex with a married one? Like, I, I didn't quite. Yeah, but those are the ones you want to, like, make love to maybe. I don't know. but okay. And also, though, it's, it, the, the truth is to find that girl that rides that balance where it's a girl that you want to be wild with, but you want to only be wild with you and no one else. So that's That's your dream girl, you know? And also, of course, you want to get along with them and all that other stuff too, of course. But there's certain girls you just see a picture of. And it's funny because Minnesota – has a very Nordic um, descent, and I find the women that I look at, all that, I've been to every Scandinavian country except Greenland, but 
that when I go there, that look is the girl that I'm like, oh my god, I want to marry that girl. Where when I go to Eastern European countries like Russia, and I've been to a lot about 50 countries at this point, those are the girls I'm like, oh my god, I want to have sex with that girl so badly. And I don't know why that. Do you that, think it's culture? Me. Like, because I feel like we're kind of fed this like the the mom and the wife is going to be this like white woman who cooks and yeah. You know. And I think a lot of it has like Scandinavian culture. Women are very endearing, very engaging, very complimentary. Uh, and also their own women. They're very, uh, into being working and, and, and being a individual person where Eastern European women, I'm not, of course, I'm, there's exceptions to every rule, so don't send me hate mail, but in every Russian girl I've ever known, they're taught at an early age to use their sexuality mm. to get men to do things for them. Uh, you know, there was just an article in New York a couple of weeks ago where this Russian girl was dating 50 different guys. She had them all buy her an iPhone 7. She never opened any of them, sold them all, and bought a house, put a down payment on a house, you know? And that, I mean, that's just the the epitome of using your sexuality to get things. It's amazing how much those messages, like what we're taught, you know? Because that's not like an innate thing. It's not like a Russian woman is going to be born and think, someday I'm going to use my sexuality. Like, it's just this, you know, and actually one of my exes, exes, he was looking for somebody who was not just after because she'd been raised in a culture where she was supposed to find a husband. So she even got a job working at like the front desk of a building full of rich, successful men. Uh-huh. And her parents were like, Go good job. Yeah, that's Go good. Find job. your husband. Uh-huh. And then she took him for all of his money. I uh, mean, it's, you ooh. know, and that's that's really sad. And uh, yeah, crazy. Do you find and maybe it hasn't occurred to you as much because you're, you know, the one who's attracted to the women. But do you feel like there's a difference in the men too. Uh, yeah, I, the way that men. Well, it's funny that in this is also a good thing. Like Scandinavia, men are not complimentary. They don't. They're they they don't engage either. It's a weird thing. And again, it's just a cultural norm. That's very Minnesota though. Like yeah, not same too affectionate. Thing. You're just yeah. kind of like. And again, same thing because you're descended from that culture, so that's where it comes from. And if you as a regular, not regular, but non-Nordic Scandinavian guy say to a girl, oh, you're so pretty, you're so nice, they're amazed. Oh, thank you. You know, like it's very immediate connection. Like, oh my goodness. Like I remember I was in uh, Copenhagen and two in the morning I was walking home with my brother from our first night in Copenhagen and I see this angel walking towards us. The girl was just so beautiful. And she had headphones on where in New York that means don't fucking talk to me. But we were genuinely lost. So I just kind of raised my hand. Excuse me. She took her headphones off, and we had a 30-minute conversation. And she was so engaged. She added me on Facebook right there. You know, all this nice stuff. And then I found out she was 22, and I'm so much older than that. She said, please don't tell me you're over 30. And I said, well, I don't think we should have this conversation anymore then. At the time, I think I was 41. Now I'm, I'm 46. But, you know, just at that point, it was just such a difference. And that's the other thing. Eastern European women, they don't care. They just want the guy with money. You could be 60. It doesn't matter. But at least it's... They want a connection to Scandinavian. But because the men don't do that, it's much easier to make a connection emotionally because they care about you. Where with Russian women, they're like, yeah, I know I'm beautiful. What, what does that do? What, do you, what are you going to buy me? You know, that, mm. that's a big thing. Like Russian women look at it like, oh, I thought you were man enough to pay my rent. Man enough? Go fucking pay your own rent. It's just wow. – it's a crazy – I've had women say that to me. It's crazy. That's so sad. It puts a lot of pressure. I mean, it's really sad for the women. It's really sad for the guys, too. It's like when I moved to L.A. and I have all these great guy actor friends, you know, even here, it's not quite as extreme, but there still is the whole pressure on the guy to pay for everything, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, and at first, that was just, that was kind of how I was raised, too. Like, not, I wasn't taught that in words, but I definitely had this impression that 
they take care of you. Yeah, I always feel that women love feminism until it affects them. Like it's feminism's great, like everything for equal opportunity pay, except when you're a stripper or you're a bartender, then let's not worry about or models, you know, the girls make a hell of a lot more. So why don't they ever say, Oh, you know, male models should make more? They're not going to say that. They're concerned about the areas that women are not making as much. And in the same respect with like you're saying, like if it works that Yes, feminism, but men should pay because they're the providers. It just it seems like a double standard. It can be for sure, for sure. I I appreciate it. I I appreciate the option to pay for our own stuff mm-hmm. and like and actually I think it's really it's hurtful to women to be to think that they have to be so dependent. It's it's hurtful right. for men too. I agree. But I know that in my own relationships when I you can get to a place where you start it affects your sense of self-worth if you're so dependent on someone. Of course. It's weird. And it's then just, how do you get out? Like, you can get trapped in a relationship. And then it also bears to it, like, I have a friend out here that is a very successful actress. She's on a big show, like, one of the top shows. She makes a fortune. But when she starts dating guys, there are very few guys that are also making a fortune that she's attracted to. She tends to be attracted to the artsy type guys. So they're not going to have that money. So she ends up paying for everything because she has the money, which in the beginning she doesn't mind. But after a while, it's like, fuck, buy me a sandwich. you know. But these guys don't have the money. So that's the other thing with dating is you tend to need to find someone. You don't have to be making the same money. But I feel like if you're putting in your percentage, so let's say I make $100,000 a year, you make $30,000 a year. If I'm putting in 20% of my money towards our dating you should put in 20% of your money. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with that. I think it's empowering for everybody and strengthening and all, and so respectful. Yeah. And there are also ways to, you know, the the actor guys I was just talking about, you know, for them to like, one of them was a, uh, a server at a restaurant. So he got the restaurant to let him use the kitchen early and like made a dinner right. for Right. Things like that too. Like for instance, the girl I'm dating right now, one of the, you know, this girl, she lives near, she doesn't have a lot of money. But she stays at my house a lot. And when every time I come home, she's cleaned the whole apartment. She went and bought some groceries. You know, that just shows me, well, she's an appreciative of the fact that I'm taking her on. There's a give and take. Yeah, and, so that yeah. she's showing me that she cares. Yeah. And that that's all. It doesn't even have to be a financial thing. She's showing me that she's happy and she wants to make yeah, me happy. Totally. Absolutely. I am right there with you. So we have this question from a listener that's related to what we we're talking about earlier with only it's a little more extreme uh, as far as kind of not really knowing or mm-hmm. potentially not knowing who you're with. Oh, wait. I have to interrupt. I have to tell you one great story Please. about not knowing. This yeah, yeah, just yeah. happened to me. Oh, cool. So as I said, I use Tinder a lot and go to Facebook and I added this girl and she said, let's have lunch. Okay. First date. Go have lunch. And all I saw was her half dozen pictures on Facebook and Tinder. I knew nothing about her. We go have lunch. And I get there. She says, I'm running a little bit late. Just uh, order what you want, and I'll figure out what I want when I get there. Don't don't worry about it. I'm, it's, I'm late. And I'm like, I, I also think, well, that's cool. You know, fine. Sit down. She comes in. Within 30 seconds, it became very, very, very obvious to me that she was transgender. And I think that that's something should be listed on your Tinder page, or at least somewhere before we go on the date. And now it was weird because I had already ordered food and I didn't want to be an asshole and say, well, you know, fuck you, Tranny. I mean, whatever. She was a nice person. So it was just a weird, speaking of not knowing what you're getting involved with, I sat and had lunch for an hour and she was transgender, which I just think is funny. It just was weird. Yeah. And you, like you said, you respect transgender people. Yeah. It just was like a thing you wish you had known. Yeah. I didn't, I don't mind. Like, I wouldn't go on a date with her, but we, we're still friends on Facebook, you know, sure. and we're still talking to each other. I just don't want to date a transgender, which is like, if I'm not attracted, it doesn't mean like sometimes women think or men think that they're racist if I'm not attracted to 
a certain type of woman, a black woman or a Chinese woman or whatever, that doesn't make you racist. You're allowed to have a type. If I only like blondes or only like thin or only like fat, that doesn't make you a negative person against that type. You're just not attracted to that type. So I'm just not attracted to that type. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think I think in some ways our, we're, we are kind of socialized to be attracted to certain attributes or whatever. But And then, you know, a lot of times the quote-unquote type goes out the window when you just meet someone and you're Absolutely. Like, some you're of my totally best not. relationships came from a girl that I could not believe it's so anti who I usually go out with that just somehow we clicked. You know? Yeah. You but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take you off a tangent. Oh, not at all. No, I'm glad you shared that. And it is definitely relevant to this. Uh, this person, Gree, wrote in this. I've been in a serious relationship for five years, living together for two, and recently discovered that my boyfriend has been lying to me about his age and name. Name? Yeah. Name. Name. Whoa. That's a big one, right? Long story, but I accidentally found his ID records. I'm freaking out and haven't said anything to him yet. I'm scared of what I'll find out, especially since when I told a friend, she said she's always found him disingenuous. What else has he lied to me about? And why the F would he lie about these things other than to seem closer to my age? My imagination's going crazy. I keep wanting to poke through his personal things, but that scares me too. Wow, agree. I feel your your pain. I would be very offset by this as well. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Great. Thanks so much for this question. And wow, I can only imagine what you're going through and sort of how perhaps turned upside down your world must be feeling right now. Um, because, you know, being together with someone for five years and living together for two, you know, finding out that he's not um, revealing his, his true name and identity and age, it's got to feel a little bit like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you. And I also can't even imagine how long You've been sitting with this information, sort of being sort of the holder and the secret of it, other than sharing with your one friend. Um, and so I guess there's a part of me that's really curious about what you sort of said is the long story, because um, I'm not sure whether or not this was sort of randomly discovered or whether or not you were having sort of your own sort of suspicious feelings or feeling like something was feeling off and that led to checking on your part. Um, because, again, it might be, as you sort of said, it's to be... Uh, closer in age, because it's not uncommon. People want to sort of narrow that gap or think people have judgment if there's, um, you know, close to 10 years or more than 10 years and even less than that. Um, but I'd also be curious about why he hadn't revealed his name, you know, whether or not there could have been bad press or any legal issues. Um, and it totally makes sense that your imagination is sort of going crazy um, because ultimately this feels like a betrayal. It feels like an issue of trust. It's really a non-disclosure and I'm sure he has his own reasons for believing that you didn't need to know or somehow he thought he was protecting you or that it wasn't important. Um, but the reality is, you know, it's an important piece of information. And I'm also picking up on what you said is that your one f friend had mentioned he had felt disingenuous. And so Again, I'm always that sense of curiosity. Do you, did you ever feel that way, that he was being disingenuous with you or hedgy or not really um, being fully disclosing? Um, because the one thing I agree with is that that instinct of yours that wants to check or look into his own um, personal things is not going to be healthy. You know, it's really and not helpful for you ultimately because it's a checking behavior that can potentially become sort of obsessive or compulsive. You know, you check and you get nothing and you're going to feel relieved for the moment, but you're not going to feel really relieved. And so, you know, I'm really encouraging you that you need to 
ultimately have this conversation and let them know how you found out this information. And really, that's a huge opportunity to observe in that moment what's his reaction. And based on that reaction and what he says, what feels true to you, sort of in knowing him and in your own gut. Because he's got his own reasons, I'm sure, for having not disclosed. But the finding out in this way, it really has become at this point an issue of trust. And He's going to make the time to help you understand and work to rebuild that trust if he's equally invested and committed to this relationship and to the healing of this um, disclosure. So I know it's not an easy conversation, but I think the only way sort of around is through. And that conversation, those series of conversations in of themselves is going to reveal a lot of which I think will help you make sense and understand and think about whether or not you both are invested in repairing this and moving forward. As always, love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. Everyone check her out at greatlifegreatsex.com. Wow. So when I hear this question, I think... What's the best case scenario, right? Like the mm. best case scenario to me would be... Could be that he legally changed his name. Yeah. Maybe he didn't like his name. Yeah. I mean, people do that all the, the time. But the age thing is, is weird. The age thing is weird. And I wonder if, if that's... But if they're both because of insecurity or... But it's five years. It's not like it's a month. You know, I don't volunteer my age. I will tell you if you ask me, but because I'm older, 46 is, is much older, you know, so... At least for single guys. Usually guys my age have been at least married once or something. But um, So I never bring up age. And I will specifically sometimes say things in a way where it doesn't, it's not indicative of my age. I remember once I was telling a story on a girl and said that um, I used to play Frisbee football with, uh, what's his name, Kennedy Jr. You know, I used to play Frisbee football with him. And she goes, wait a minute. That means you're over 40. I said, what? She goes, well, he died and she did the math. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess you figured it out, you know, and uh, give her credit for doing the math so quickly. But I don't reference things that will, like, I was born on New Year's Eve, and my brother was born, I have a twin, born January 1st, and because I'm 46, it was, I was born right before 69, and 69, he was born in 70, so we're twins born in different decades. I usually will not say that story. I'll say we were born in different years. I will leave out the decade part when I'm telling that story to someone, because then it tells you how old I am. But I also had a friend, sorry to get off, but that was marrying a woman. And when they got married is when she found out that he was 15 years older than he had told her. Because they had to sign a marriage license together. And that's when she found out. See, that's the thing. Again, it's the deceit. Yeah, it's deceit. For me, I don't, the age doesn't, I'm not somebody who's going to even think about the age, whatever. Like, that's not a question I ask. It's not something I'm trying to figure out. But to hide it from somebody. Yeah, it's the deceit. And also at this point, you're never going to get that trust back. That's the problem. It is so easy to give trust. It is so hard to rebuild trust. So the fact that he's been lying for five years, there's no way you're going to come out of this in a good way. It's just not going to happen. What if he's in like a witness protection program? Possible, but it still doesn't explain the but age. But it probably wouldn't be easy to find his ID either. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah, explain it. And hard. also, I also don't like that she's obviously not trusting him because she's snooping around. There's unless, I don't Even if his wallet was around, maybe, I don't know, maybe his... License was just out on the counter, but you'd think that if he knows that he's lying about his age and his name, that it's not readily available. So there's probably – that's a red flag to her too because I think 
sometimes, again, we don't want to know that there's secrets mm-hmm. or we don't want to know these lies, these, what the truth is, but we feel something in our gut. And when I hear her story, too, part of me... And she said there's more to the story, too. Yes. Think. And I don't want to scare yeah. her. She sounds scared already, and right. I would be, because I know I'm a writer. My imagination would be like the worst case scenario in the yeah. entire universe. But I would also be concerned, like, do you need to think about your safety? Like, is this something, if somebody is, like... What does your gut say? Is this person actually, if if they're not who they you think they are, then how right. much different? And I wouldn't. I mean, just because, of, like, if I'm when you confront him, I would confront him in a way where it's in a safe space. Yes. I would inf- confront in him in a restaurant, you know, and somewhere where you have you show him that you know, you know, and just to be safe, I wouldn't do it at home because maybe this guy is a crazy person. Who knows? I mean, he's been lying for five years about two things that seem insignificant. So if it's, you know, even though it's, it seems like if you're keeping that lie for five years, what else is going on? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And also having a plan if you're having, because the thing is, is if you talk in public and things actually go well, maybe he's a very emotional thing and he's very sorry and you go to therapy and you work through the trust mm-hmm. issues or whatever, then who cares if you were in public and you had a backup plan of like a suitcase packed right. and you have a girlfriend waiting for you outside, you know, but I just am always like, always plan for, don't expect exactly what's going to happen, but definitely consider what some worst of the case scenario. worst yeah, case scenarios Cautious optimism, are. always. You know, you should always have that. Yes. Like even in, you know, I was growing up in Brooklyn and there's, I used to go to clubs and there was always a fight somewhere and whatever. Whenever I go into a public space, instinctually, I just look, all right, where's my easiest out? If there's a problem, how the fuck am I getting out of here? And that's just something that's instinctual to me. No matter where I go, if it's going to be where there's a lot of people, I want to know how to get out of there immediately. That's a and great that's, survival skill. It's just something you should always do. Everybody yeah. should do that. But it, it's because it happened to me when I was a kid. I was at a nightclub for kids and a fight broke out and I got stuck in the corner somewhere and had to hide until the knives and stuff were done. You know, mm-hmm. so... After that day, I always, when I walk in somewhere, I, I want to know my two options to get out as fast as possible. Absolutely. And in the same respect, yeah, you should probably tell a girlfriend, look, I'm bringing, bringing a suitcase over because I may be staying there for a couple of months, yeah. you know, until I get my feet, get back on my feet. It never hurts to overprotect yourself, for sure. And I'd also recommend, have you read the book Gift of Fear? No. It's incredible. It's by Gavin DeBecker. I think everyone should read it, but especially women. I think it's it talks about really responding to your instincts because I think so often we do sense something and we talk oh, ourselves yeah. out of it. We always do. Everybody, there's very few people who are clueless. They just choose not to acknowledge what's going on in their brain. Yeah. And then later. <laughs> Sorry so, about that. That's all right. So in your cases with these people who turn out to not knew. be who you are. Not thought? one of them that I think was great. It's okay. just girls that were super hot that I was enjoying so the was, conversation. Was it clouded by that? You were kind of like, oh, yeah. Just let the it only happen. there was a time I don't know if I talked about this one in there, but there was a girl that I had dated for three months and I was crazy about, but it was more because the sex was amazing. It wasn't like, you know, if I'm being honest, she probably was a little racist. She probably wasn't the smartest girl in the world, but she was gorgeous and sex was incredible, which usually, unfortunately, that doesn't always, those two things aren't necessarily congruent with each other. You know, a gorgeous girl could sometimes just think that I'm so gorgeous I can just lay here or they're just not that very sexual. Or whatever. not good chemistry. Or you're not good chemistry. It could be so many things. So when both of those stars align and you enjoy their company, you're like, wow, okay, so maybe I'm not going to, the rest of the stuff will work itself out. And she was married. And I didn't know. And for three months, maybe that's the story that's in there. She hid it from me. And like, I would sleep at her house three times, three nights a week sometimes. The house she lived with? The house she lived with? I, to this day, I don't know the full story because there were never any pictures of another dude there. I don't know if they were on a break or what. But after three months, 
I get a call from a dude one day. It says, uh, are you fucking my wife? And I said, I don't think so. And he go, and he said her name. I'm like, I don't know if to say her name. but uh, And I said, well, I think that's a conversation you need to have with her because to my knowledge, she was single. And then he started harassing me, threatening my life, telling me he was going to come kill me. Like, you know, I work in entertainment, so I'm out doing appearances. He's like, I know you're going to be at this club next Friday. You think it's a fan. I'm going to fucking stab you. Like, I had to go to the cops. It was crazy. The girl never responded to me. I tried texting and calling her, never heard back from her, nothing. Five, six months later, I get a call out of the blue, and it's her. And she says, you know, do you remember me? Of course I remember you. You know, she says, well, I want to let you know I was thinking about it. And the most fun I ever had in my life was when I was dating you. And I'm truly divorced now, and I want to get together again. And I said, you really had the best time of your life when you were with me? She goes, absolutely. I said, well, wow. You really fucked up then. And I hung up. And that was it, you know? And ironically, not have to get it story, but recently she reached out to me again via email. But it just, you know, it's just funny. It's now it's like six years after yeah. the fact. Like you said, when the trust is broken, then yeah, we have. Exactly. And now, like, what, my only play to her would be maybe I would sleep with her again just to see how if it's still fun. But I would never want to date that girl again, yeah. ever. I could never do it. I can't trust her. Yeah. yeah. Just like women that will date married men that end up leaving their wives for her, he's just going to do it to you. He did it already. What do you, why you would you do that? Who's, yeah, yeah, why would yeah. you date someone, unless you're doing it for the fun or the money or whatever, you know, you like that he's taking you places, but don't ever think that that guy's going to change. If he left his wife for you while you were dating him uh, secretly, it's just a formula for disaster. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're, you know, I, just, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I think there are always, you know, there's exceptions, like you said. Sure, everything has an exception. I have but... a friend who's like really happy with somebody that she met who she was the affair person, and mm-hmm. they seem like amazing together. And I think sometimes that does work out. Things are super sure. complicated. Every nuanced. rule has an exception. But it, but again, like, how do you trust somebody right. who you know was lying to the most important person in their yeah, life? Yeah, it just seems like it's it's, it's you're hard. starting out in such a bad place. It is like what I said also in the article is like. If you're having problems in three months, in those first three months you're arguing a lot or you're, you're, you're getting pissed off at things, it is never going to work out because that's your honeymoon phase. That's when everything should be, oh, my God, she's texting me. Yay, I can't wait to see her. If you're already arguing, it's, it's a f- formula for disaster. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point because, again, it's the good impression. Yeah, yeah. And, and if this is their best foot forward and you already hate the person – it's just going to be a problem. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, your show, SDR. SDR show. Uh, it's been on the air about two years now. Um, and it was number one, like right number away. one iTunes comedy, uh, like a year and a half ago, and then again all two weeks ago for the whole week. It was number one on iTunes comedy. I don't understand the rating systems. You know, I don't think we get as many listeners as say a Joe Rogan or uh, an Adam Carolla, but. I think it has to do with reviews or, or people searching or people li- – I don't know. But I'm not complaining. I'm happy that That's it's amazing. there. And what it is is that coming from radio for so long and still doing radio but being under that uh, tight-knit concept of 45-second mic breaks and two-minute interviews and you got to hit the top of the hour and you got to do all this stuff that you probably never had to deal with. so stressful It's to me. so annoying. Like I remember – Especially when my show was live, syndicated nationally live, we had a big clock on the wall and like we had to end within four seconds of the end of the hour or it would fuck up everything nationwide. So you had to be so on top, like a guy would be telling a long-winded story and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great, hang on, hang on, or else it would be a disaster. Oh, I would hate you know? that, yeah. So this idea was pitched to me to do a podcast with my comedian co-host, Jay Okerson, and originally my answer was, well, 
People that do podcasts are people that can't get into radio, so why the fuck am I doing that? I do radio. But over the course of that next year, I just started reading all about podcasting and how big it was becoming and blah, blah, blah. So we started the show, and it was an idea I had for a morning show years ago called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll when I was asked to do morning radio. And the original concept was I was going to go out at night and then come stumbling into the studio at 6 in the morning and do a four-hour radio show about what happened that night. Uh, but then they, the offer was financially awful, but I just kept the imaging, kept the URL, and it was just sitting on my hard drive for years. And when Jay said we should do a podcast together, but I don't know what we should call it, I don't know what it should look like, I just sent him this imaging, and he goes, let's do it. And so we started, and it's been a crazy ride. We've done things which is trying to get away with as much as you, you can do. If you can come up with a crazy concept, sexually, whatever, like dirty. Give us one. There was I've I've seen a few press releases that I was like, is that even real? Yeah, yeah we've done crazy things. Uh, we'll start with the Tamer ones, which was we did a live event called Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Jeopardy with Consequences, where you're playing Jeopardy. All the songs are related to sex, drugs, or rock and roll. You get the question right, you get points. Good for you. You get the question wrong, a dominatrix is going to humiliate you on stage in front of a few hundred people. And it's hilarious. It's painful. We bring it to me against my co-host, against a fan, and then we have someone else host it. And it's always funny. We do it like every couple of months. We've had girls pee on our feet. Then that went to girls peeing in our mouths. We made um, uh, dildos over, out of our own penises. And then we actually, and I'm sorry to be so crass on your classy show, but we uh, fucked a girl in the ass with our dildo penises on the on air. The show. On the show. Uh, we can't show the video, obviously, but right. you could watch it was from it. Was a porn star, or it was a porn star? It was a girl that was the quote-unquote queen of asses, and it was uh, Anal Awareness Month. August, so, anal yeah, August. August, yes. Yeah, so that was though in in uh, July. I'm like, well, here here's what we should do, and we made the molds of our penises the week before, and then she what came. What was on. the mold made out of? It's a thing called Clona Willy, and what's funny about it is that they make it seem like it's so easy to do. Three steps. So you, <laughs> you, you mix the mold, you put your penis in, and then you enjoy the mold. Then you open it up, and there's 14 steps. And it's like specific times, specific temperatures. I fucked up the first one, and I had to go buy another one so that we could do it right. Jay's never worked. It was just a, it's a, it is far. If you're going to try it, buy two because you're going to fuck up the first one. Okay. There's no way you're not. And then it's hard to stay erect while the stupid thing is on you. you I had a girl that I was dating that was trying to like keep me entertained while, but it's still when you're shoving this hot liquid silicone on your dick, it's still it's pretty hard to stay aroused, you know. Wow. So, but it was funny, you know. Uh, We just come up with things that we whatever we could come up with that's going to be funny for the show. And in sense, like I don't do a lot of drugs, almost nothing, but for the show. I've tried mushrooms. I've done edibles. I just, to see what would happen to me, yeah. I drooled on the air. I had a stroke on the air from doing too much drugs. Like, I literally blacked out on the air because I drank and smoked too much one night. And that's just funny to me that it happened. The thing that pissed me off the most was that they took the camera off me. So when I got back to normal, I'm like, why the fuck would you take the camera? That's what you should be showing. Whoa. You know? Were so, you okay? Oh, yeah, I was fine. It just, if it happens again, I'd worry. But it was like, I hadn't eaten. I was not feeling great even before the show started. Hadn't smoked or drank in like two months. And I just went all in because I didn't have to get up the next day. And I just I, I just overdid it. How do you come up with ideas? You just kind of just. I just sit like, like we just heard about this thing called the, uh, oh, what's it called? The, the guy braider, you know, which is like a vibrator, oh, a vibrator for dudes. For guys, yep. And uh, we're going to try that on the air somehow. I don't know what, you know, we'd come up with something stupid to do. Uh, I just, it's funny to come up with concepts and try and pull them off on the air. Yeah. It's like, 
sexual science mixed with comedy. Yeah, and it's, you know, we interview, we also look, it's not, I think if it was just sex and just two kids, two guys being testosterone idiots, the show would get old quickly. We have great interviews with bands. We've had a lot of great, like, uh, Run DMC's uh, DMC came in and talked about when he almost wanted to kill himself. You know, it was a really powerful story. Uh, Andrew WK and the guys from Twisted Sister and the guys from Disturbed. You know, we've had a lot. We've had Papa Roach and Megadeth and we've had some great bands on. And we'll do real in-depth great interviews. But once in a while, we want to be funny and silly too. And, yeah. you know, it's it's about riding that balance. I, it, and I hate to invoke the guy that everyone invokes when you bring this up. Howard Stern, because he was the pioneer of this type of thing. But it's funny, when you say you're going to start a cooking show, no one says, oh, like Julia Child. No, they say, okay, cool, you started a cooking show. But when you say you're doing a, a, a radio show that's somewhat sexy, immediately they make the comparison to Howard Stern. And I don't mind the comparison, because he was is, to this day, still the best of the best. But you can still do that and not just be a Howard Stern knockoff. You know, there's right. there's so many shows that do so many different things. Howard wasn't necessarily the first either. He just got the best at it. And so I appreciate the comparison, but the idea always is we're trying to take it into a new level by live video streaming and offering, you know, we have live chatting while it's happening, and we try to bring it into the 21st century. That's awesome. So what's the best way for people to tune in? Well, Tune in, it's simple. Um, TheSDRShow.com, it's free. The podcast is free. So there's ads in the podcast, and if you want to listen, you don't want to pay a dime, it's fine. We are on iTunes, Stitcher. We're one of the few, I think there's a 1,000 podcasts on Spotify. We were picked to be one of those 1,000. We're on Google Play. Anywhere you're going to hear a podcast, you'll find The SDR Show. If you want to watch live, when we do it live, get it a week early, get it without commercials, watch and engage live, you have to go to gasdigitalnetwork.com, which is the network with about 10 other shows, shows like uh, there's like MMA shows, there's comedy shows, there's all different types of shows on the network, and you pay uh, $6 a month using the code SDR for our show, and you get 15% off, and then you could watch all the shows live and be a part of our network. We're trying to do something that is not being done right now. It's a mixture of live appointment television mixed with on-demand programming, mixed with a podcast network, and nobody's doing that right now. And it's been extremely successful. We've only been on around like six months. And as I told you off-air, we were cash flow positive by month two. And the money, the, the people spending for the subscribers, we only want you to do that if you really want to be a part of it. You don't have to. That's why the podcast is free. Listen to the podcast. You don't have to subscribe. By all means, we just love you to listen. That's amazing. I love what you're doing, and I think it's such a brilliant – I love the podcasting platform, and I, I have always believed it's so much more than just yeah. podcasting. And I, even podcasting, the term, I've heard people say is kind of going to go out the window. I don't use it. It's the SDR show. I don't use the term. Yeah. I use podcast when in this medium so that people know what I'm talking about. But we are not a podcast network. I don't like the term. It also comes from an iPod, which no one fucking uses anymore anyway. So it makes no sense. It's yeah, just yeah. It's, it's a, a it's a show. And I don't I would like the term podcast yeah. to go away. To me, I think it's a podcast. The podcast is what you actually download on iTunes. Like yeah. it's kind of like it's the CD you put in. Right. It's yeah, a- you need an, to technically be a podcast, it needs an RSS feed that is fed automatically and that's what a podcast is. So technically what we're doing at Gas Digital is not a podcast, but to me it's just it's a show. It's an audio video show. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. This is a total blast. Thank you for having me. Super honored.
This episode is brought to you in part by The Pleasure Chest, an amazing company that's been pioneering sex-positive culture for decades. Whether you're in a new relationship, a long-term relationship, or just want a lot more fun, spicy solo play, visit their store in L.A., Chicago, or New York City. You can also hop online at thepleasurechest.com. They have a really cool holiday special going on, which you can learn about at augustmclaughlin.com forward slash sexy dash gifts. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes and leave a simple review while you're there. For extras and a whole lot more, check out girlboner.org. And for more from Dr. Megan again, visit greatlifegreatsex.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.